0: Once again, we want to thank everybody for joining us. If you were with us during Sunday school or if you've been paying attention even before, you would know that we mentioned that we were going to be looking at love. Now, we were going to be looking at love this month under our monthly theme. All you need is what? Love. L O V E. And this week we're going to be looking at love is a verb. <coughs> now. How many of you guys remember anything about what a verb is? Anybody? I know it is. What's a verb, guys? We forgot what a verb is. I guess we're going to have to remind ourselves. A verb is an action word. Oh my goodness. Here we go. According to the dictionary. The verb is a kind of word or part of speech that tells about an action, an action word, or a state. It is the main part of a sentence. Every sentence has a verb. If your sentences do not have verbs, you do not have a real sense. In English, verbs are the only kind of word that changes to show past, present tense. And love is the same way, right? But, when we say we love something, when we add that ed at the end of a verb, that generally means it's done with. But for us as Christians... We should never say, I loved. Love, as a verb, should always be present tense. It should always be something we're doing. It's an action in which we are doing. Now, the Bible tells us a couple of things about love. Ecclesiastes says, you know, there's a time for everything, right? Time for love. Beatles say what? All you need is love, right? All you need is love, love, and love is all you need. Right? You guys ever heard that song? Anybody? Ever other than me? Don't worry, teenagers. We have a youth retreat coming up, and just as I've been broadening your musical education, that will be on the playlist. So, if I were to ask you, though, and Jesus even gives us the commands, right? He says, here are the two greatest commandments when they ask him to sum it all up. He goes, first, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, right? And the second was what? Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your neighbor, right? So if I were to ask you, about a scripture in which we can see love in action specifically that love your neighbor as yourself does anybody have a scripture that comes to mind it's in the book of Luke chapter 10 if you guys have a bible in front of you you guys could start be looking i'm sure the bibles in the pews have them divided up into subtitles so if you get close enough you may be able to figure out where we're going with this luke chapter 10 Luke chapter ten. Has anyone gotten close enough to figure out what we and where we may be going? There's a parable. Jesus tells a story of love and action. Anyone know what that story's called? <coughs> the Good Samaritan. What? So what is the teenagers? The Good Samaritan, thank you, thank you, Joey. You're <laughs> now, the Good Samaritan, you guys have it in front of you in the KJV or the NIV version, but I'm going to read it from the message, just because I kind of like how it breaks it down into words and phrases <laughs> that we may be able to understand. So starting in verse 25, we get this. Luke 10, verse 25. Just then a religion scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. I love that. This guy goes, you know what? Jesus, this man who's working all these miracles, I want to see if he really knows his stuff. And so he stands up to test Jesus. He says, teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? Jesus answered, What's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? He said, That you love the Lord your God with all passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence, and that you love your neighbor as you well you do yourself. Oh, good answer, Jesus said, Jesus. Do it and you'll live. So Jesus just basically said, That's the key to eternal life. Love God with everything you are, and love your neighbor as well as you love yourself. Looking for a loophole, though, this religion scholar who thinks he's all bad and super intelligent who can trick Jesus, (coughs) says, and how do you define neighbor? Jesus answered by telling them a story. You guys know this story. But... Just to break it down for you guys, I'm going to make this a little bit more relatable. You ready? Follow along in your Bible. That way you'll notice when I take a few certain liberties. Jesus answered by telling them a story. He said, There was once a man traveling. From the Dominion down to downtown and on the way he was attacked by robbers they took his clothes beat him up and went off leaving him halfway dead luckily there was a priest who was on his way down the same road. But when he saw them, he angled across to the other side of the street. So the preacher is walking by, <laughs> sees this guy needed and does what? Nothing. Nothing. And then a Levite, another religious man, shows up. The equivalent of somebody who goes to church every day, I guess. The someone who says, Oh, yes, I am Christian, and I love Jesus, and I love my neighbors. I don't know why, I just picture it to be a Southern Christian. Maybe it's because I'm from the south. I don't know. But in my head, I picture a southern Christian. Not that a Levite would be a southern, but that's what I picture in my mind. A southern Christian. Who also crosses to the other side of the street to avoid the injured man. Now... Finally, a Samaritan, and that's what it says. It says Samaritan. In today's language, when we think of a good Samaritan, we think of somebody who goes out of their way to help somebody, but I didn't break that down to language we would understand today because I want you to understand what it it meant then. Then in the story, he was an Israelite who got robbed. The Levite and the priest who passed him by were his own people. The Samaritan, they had beef with Samaritans. They didn't like them, they couldn't stand them, and honestly, some of them felt like they didn't even have a right to go to church to hear about Jesus or to claim to be believers. Oh, well, wait! That may sound like people we know, right? That still happens in today's society, doesn't it? To this day, there are people who don't think that people are worthy enough to be able to listen. They don't have their lives together enough to be able to understand the word of the Lord. But here's the thing that's what gets your life together. A good Samaritan traveling the road came on him. Now, this is almost the equivalence of the Sharks and the Jets. You know, different gangs. They would normally avoid each other. But instead, this good Samaritan, when he saw the man's condition, listen to this, his heart went out. Out to him, his heart—he felt something, and this is where love becomes a verb. Though he gave him first aid, disaffecting and bandaging his wounds, then he lifted him onto his donkey, led him into an inn, and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, "Take good care of him." If he costs any more, put it on my bill, and I'll pay you back when I come back. Jesus finishes and says, what do you think? Which of these three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? <laughs> Another religion scholar who thought he could trick Jesus says, well, I mean, <laughs> it's the man who treated him kindly. Jesus simply said, well, go and do the same. This guy wanted to have neighbor defined, thinking he could trick Jesus, stump Jesus. And Jesus basically says, Who's your neighbor? Everyone. But let's break it down even more. It's easy for us to bash the Levite and the priest, right? And in today's society, it's become easy to bash Christians for their inactivity. But it's easy for us to say, well, (laughs) look at those people not doing what they're supposed to. They preach about love. They talk about following the will of God. And they don't do it, right? We ever heard that? But, we understood why it was so important for the Samaritan not to stop. But how many of us may have ever found ourselves in the boat the priest and the Levite were? Many of us would say, oh no, I would help somebody. But think about this. The priest and the Levite were traveling in a row to town. Where it was known to have robbers. It was rocky, it was dangerous, it was unsafe. They didn't know if the robbers were still there, they didn't know if it was a trap. It was not the best part of the neighborhood to be caught in. How many of us driving down a deserted street at night would see someone pulled over to the side and stop and help? Let me be honest. If I was driving by myself as a woman and I found a car in a deserted street, no traffic, and somebody was pulled over to the side of the road, I may roll my window down and offer to call somebody, but I'm not getting out of my car. The world's a dangerous place. It was a dangerous place then, and it's a dangerous place now. Now, who's to say that they weren't going to send somebody back? Well, I was just passing the road, and there's somebody back there that needs help. Have we ever done something like that before? instead of getting somebody else more qualified to help. They weren't able to call 911 back then, but we would. I'm at the corner, of such and such and such and such, and there's somebody that needs help, things like that, right? I just drove by an accident kind of thing. We just call it in. And let's be honest, sometimes people do good things just so that people see them doing good things. Kind of like the old age question if a tree falls in a woods and no one hears it, does it really make a sound? To the question of, you ever heard that? If a tree falls in a wood and no one's around to hear it, does it still make a sound? If you do good to somebody but don't tell someone else what you did, did you really help somebody? Yeah. You help somebody. You don't have to tell people what you did. You don't have to brag about it, post it on Facebook, tweet it on Instagram or Twitter and Instagram. You don't have to brag about the good you've done. Now, the Levi and the... Priest may have been thinking, hey, he's already dead. What can I do? What's interesting is that Jesus says the same about both of them they came, they saw, and they passed by on the other side. They didn't want to be troubled. Maybe they had a schedule to keep. I don't have time to stop and help. I have to be somewhere. I'm already running late. Those are excuses we may have used in our own lives, aren't they? I'll call somebody, I'll send somebody back, I just have to get where I have to go right now. Jesus introduces another way, though. Martin Luther King Jr. said of this passage that the priest and Levi's actions illustrate what they likely asked themselves. If I stop and help this man, however, what will happen to me? Right? (laughs) What if it's a trap? Will I get robbed. What if I get robbed? What if he hurts me? Well, what what if, what if, what if, right? However, there is another character who enters the story. And instead of asking himself the question, if I stop and help, what will happen to me? He asks the question, if I do not stop and help this man, what will happen to him? It was a different way of thinking. Not about what's going to happen to ourselves, but what's going to happen to other people. When General William Booth was passing away, he was asked to sum up a mission of the army. To encourage officers and soldiers. He shared one word. Others change the way you think. It's not about you, it's about them. That verse that says, Love your neighbor as yourself is challenging us to put others on that same level we think and consider our own lives. That's what it's saying. It's not saying treat others like you want to be treated. It's saying make them and what their needs are important enough to you that it's like your own needs. Make their needs matter as much as your needs matter. love in action, he saw a need, he was moved, it said his heart was touched, and because he loved his neighbor on the same level he loved himself, he changed the whole narrative. It was no longer about himself. It was about who needed help. In fact, we could change the title. We always call this the Good Samaritan, don't we? But we should call it the Compassionate Samaritan because compassion is at the center of the story. Compassion is so much more than passion. It's where passion meets action. The secret to the Salvation Army's effectiveness and reputation in the public's eye is simple. We hear Jesus' command at the end of the passage. What did it say at the very end? What did he tell that religious scholar? Go and do likewise. Faith mixed with doing is the focus of the passage. Loving God with all we are and who we are moves us to love people. It's listening followed by putting it into action. It was a way of experiencing the gospel. Jesus describes the Levite and the priest actions the same way. They came, they saw, and they passed by. But it changes. The Samaritan came and saw, but instead, he didn't pass by. He didn't keep going. He compassionately acted. And that's what happens in our lives. While we are lying on the side of the road, Jesus came and saw and acted for us while we were beaten by life, and Jesus came, saw, and acted for us. When we were left to dead by our own strength, Jesus came, saw, and acted. Jesus has come for all of us. He sees what is happening in our lives, and he has acted for us. We are wanted by God. And because of that, Jesus showed us love in action. Jesus showed us what it looks like to put others before yourself. Jesus showed us love as a verb when he died on the cross. For who? For us, for our sins that were leading to death. And we, we have the challenge of living out our love for God and our love for others. We don't just have to get by, but instead we are free to receive God's love, to give all of ourselves to God, and in return, make ourselves fully available. To be led by him. I mean, instead of listening to sermons based off of the Good Samaritan, we live it out. A sermon in action. Living life, living love as a verb. Doing it helping others it's not always going to be easy and there may be things in our lives in our past in our present that may prevent us from it that may block us from being able to successfully live our lives with love as a verb Things that may distract us from allowing God to use us. We're going to enter into our time of prayer. And as we do, the song that plays is going to be, I Surrender. I surrender everything for the will of God. To be able to be used by him. To be able to live life with love as a verb. As the music plays, we invite you to take this time in prayer. All to Thee, our blessed Savior, we surrender all, Lord. Help us, Lord, to live our lives as You would have us to, to walk in Your ways, Lord, and to walk in love. May we live out our lives, Lord, with love in action, with love as a verb, Lord, showing others Your love, through our love for them, your love in action in our lives. Be with us this day. We ask these things through your beloved Son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.